Hello and welcome to Blue Mound Methodist Podcast. I'm Pastor Jacob Fields coming to you from Denton, Texas. We are so thankful that your faith journey has connected with this ministry and hope that you are blessed by the sermons, Bible studies, and faith stories you will find through this podcast. This week's podcast episode comes from the third part of the sermon series, This Is Us. This week, we talked about Christian perfection. Let's pick up with our scripture reading before getting into our sermon. If you would please remain standing for our New Testament reading. It comes today from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so the power of Christ may dwell in me. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the Holy Scripture. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that even when we were not perfect, even now, as we are not perfect, that you love us, and that your presence comes to be with us. Whether we make it through the doors of the church, or whether you have to meet us elsewhere, we give you thanks this morning that you're a God that meets us. So meet us again. Amen. Perfection. There's a question that's asked of every single uh, person who's ordained as a Methodist pastor uh, and a follow-up question to it. And so I'll just ask you, do you believe that you will be made perfect in this life? Are you striving towards it? Yes. Okay. You got half of the questions right. Um, So the answer is yes. Do you believe that you will be made perfect in this life? The answer is yes. And, and this is kind of a confusing thing. It causes a great deal of, of struggle and, and juggling. And, and it's one of those questions that candidates for ordination uh, usually wrestle with on a different level than other questions. And it's because... When we see the word perfection, we have a certain idea of what that is, right? You think of that gymnastics perfect 10, right? When a person executes every single skill in the most beautiful way that is humanly possible and and does everything according to the specific and proper technique in order, correct? Is Is that a reasonable interpretation of what most people think of when they think of perfection? It's like, can I do everything absolutely right? Is that, any of you have that understanding of perfection? Okay, well, uh, if that's your understanding of perfection, I'm here to give you the gospel message. That's not our Christian understanding of perfection. You don't have to do everything perfectly for the rest of your life to be made perfect. And so, what what exactly?
exactly is Christian perfection. It's a completely different thing, and that is uh, illustrated by our scripture today. It is a full awareness of the grace of God that you, yes, even you, have been saved. A full and complete awareness of God and God's grace, so much so that you know that you are saved by grace. That is Christian perfection. Let me read it again, the 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. See, this is Wesleyan Methodist understanding of perfection. Last week I handed out uh, sheets, 22 questions that, that John Wesley and his followers would ask themselves on a daily basis. And I gotta tell you, I mean, maybe I should have told you this beforehand, the object and the purpose of asking yourself these questions is not so that you can boast that you checked all the boxes in Christian life. In fact, some of these questions are written in a way that you would understand that you cannot check all the boxes in this life. Here, just the wording of the first question again. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? Unconsciously creating the impression. Now, if you answer yes to that, then you're guilty of it. I mean, if you answer no to that, you're guilty of it. No, I'm not creating it. Well, you're lying to yourself, because right there, even in that answer, you're saying that you're better than you really are. Because somebody somewhere in some kind of way thinks differently than in reality. Don't, I, don't you sometimes hear that, that uh, joking line that, I wish I was as great as my dog thinks I am. So the, the point of asking yourself, difficult questions of the faith. The, the purpose of Christian accountability is not judgment. But if we're not aware of our sin, we're not aware of the grace that covers it. If we're not aware of how weak we are, we're not aware of God's strength in us. You see, because by my own power, I would have nothing that I have. Every relationship that I have, I've done enough things that I would have destroyed all of them. But see, there's these things called love and grace that our scripture teaches us of. And there are, there are days and there are moments in life where, where when I fall short, God's grace covers that. That's Christian perfection and understanding that God has you covered. And so we don't beat ourselves up with guilt. In John Wesley's journal from May 24th, which is the day 
his heart was strangely warmed in, in 1738. 1738, May 24th, he writes, about a quarter of nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt that I did trust in Christ and Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. We understand that that, that feeling, that heart being strangely warmed and being assured of forgiveness, is what Wesley refers back to every time he references Christian perfection. In fact, the song that we just sang, And Are We Yet Alive, in its original form, uh, John Wesley's brother Charles had written it with an additional stanza. Uh, and that additional stanza ended with, Thou shalt be perfect as thy Lord, thou shalt all be like me. Now, with the understanding of perfection that we walked into this room with this morning, someone might think that that's boasting, right? Oh, you're perfect. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, that line can be off-putting unless you understand what it's talking about. That, the history of that song, while we're talking about a series on This Is Us, uh, a Methodist understanding of Christianity, um, the song, Are We Yet Alive, has been sung annually since about 1780. Uh, every uh, time that the Methodists meet for an annual conference. In 1780 was when that song began being sung annually uh, for the annual conference. It would be the opening song of the annual conference, and for our conference it still is today. Uh, Because it's important that we understand that even in the midst of our flaws, even in the midst of our fighting, even in the midst of our falling short daily, weekly, monthly, annually, of the standards that God has for our lives, we are still here. And therefore, God still has work for us to do. God still has work for us to do despite everything that's going on. And so we, as Methodist people, we believe that we can be made perfect in this life. We can have that full understanding of God's grace and saving grace in our lives so that it causes a change in our lives. You see, the very next day, can somebody say the very next day? The very next day. The very next day, that after John Wesley's heart was strangely warmed, he writes this, The enemy injected a fear, quote, If thou dost believe, why is there not a more sensible change? And I answered, yet not I, that I know not, but this I know. I have now a peace with God, and I sin not today. And Jesus, my master, has forbidden me to take thought of tomorrow. And see, the way I understand that to mean is that 
this state of Christian perfection, that complete awareness of your salvation, for Wesley, was a today thing. That you might, you might reach that moment. You might feel God's grace and you might be changed and transformed to the point where you no longer want to sin today. But that doesn't mean that that is forever. Jesus doesn't ask us to think about tomorrow. He thinks us, he asks us to think about how we're living today. How, how are we relating with God and one another today? So, even if I say, oh, I have achieved perfection in life, that does not permit me to say no to the second question of those historic questions. Are you striving toward it? Because even after you've reached perfection in this Christian understanding, this Wesleyan understanding, you still every day have to strive to understand that you are covered by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not by anything that you do. It's not by checking all the boxes that you are saved. But we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not by works. I think scripture says not by works lest anyone should boast. What then of works? You see, John Wesley, his heart was strangely warmed while the preacher was preaching about... Uh, John, uh, Martin Luther's preface to the book of Romans. Now, has anybody read the book of Romans all the way through? A couple of you, okay. I highly recommend it. Uh, the book of Romans talks about this transformation that happens in a human's life when they go from not following Jesus to following Jesus. It's not about that we sin no more. It's that where sin is present, grace abounds. This is a refrain several times in the early chapters of Romans. Where sin is present, grace abounds. So if you want grace to abound in your life, you must become aware of the ways you fall short. So asking yourself questions like these are important. Asking yourself questions that the Methodists would ask in their society meetings, which are different from these questions but still are a really high standard. Make you aware of the ways that you fall short. Not that you feel guilt, not that you be overcome by guilt, but that you be overcome by that peace that Wesley says. That yes, even though I fell short, I'm at peace with God. We're not opposed to one another anymore. Does this kind of transformation still happen today? Do people's hearts still become strangely warmed? Do people still have a transformation of life entirely so that you barely recognize them one day from the next? Do we believe that? I say yes. I believe that even us who have been in the pews for a majority of our lives might still have a moment 
where God taps on our shoulder, warms our hearts, and something that was yesterday is no longer. About a year later, in May of 1739, Wesley writes, I was almost continually asked, either by those who came purposefully to Bristol to inquire concerning this strange work, or by my old or new correspondents, how can these things be? How is it that somebody be transformed? And innumerable cautions were given me, generally grounded on gross misinterpretation of things, not to regard visions or dreams or to fancy that people had remission of sins because of their cries or their tears or bare outward professions. To one hand, to one had many times written me on, on this head. The sum of my answers is as follows. The question between us chiefly is not on the matter of fact. See, you deny that God does not work to these effects, at least that he works them in this manner. I affirm both because I have heard these things with my own ears and have seen with my own eyes. I have seen, as far as a thing of this can be seen, many persons changed in a moment from the spirit of fear, horror, and despair to the spirit of love and joy and peace. From a sinful desire to then reigning over them to pure desire of doing the will of God. These are matters of fact, where I have been and almost daily am, and I an ear witness. God transforms lives. God can transform your life, no matter how much it's been transformed before, there's still room. God can change your life in ways that are, that are better than you understand, that, better, that are better than I understand. You hear that? We can go from fear to joy. We can go from horror to peace. I don't know about you guys, but just a day outside the walls of the church, sometimes even inside the church, there's so much that goes on in our world today that, that it's hard not to be afraid, that it's hard not to be horrified. But that transformation can still come through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we should seek it. We should pray for it. We should have visions and dreams of it. We should long that each of us, yes, even us, be renewed by the Holy Spirit to that spirit of peace with God. Because that's Christian perfection, and that's what we're striving for, and that's what was experienced that day so long ago when the disciples were gathered in the upper room and felt the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's what transforms lives. That's what causes people to proclaim their faith in Christ. And that's what we long for and the, what we work for as a church when we say that our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ.
for the transformation of the world. Well, that's it for this episode of Blue Mound Methodist Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out in any way, please send us an email at office at bluemoundumc.org. We'd love to hear from you. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I want to challenge you to share this blessing with others by investing and inviting. If you know someone who has been blessed by this message, invite them to listen directly or by sharing on social media. Or, you can make an investment in this digital ministry by going to bluemoundumc.org give to help expand the reach of the gospel message. God bless.